Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the lineup on Yahoo Sports. My name is Steven Zoyce. That's Wesley Chang. And we're going to give you all of the fantasy football news and analysis you need to know heading into week eight of the NFL season. And we're going to start off with some trade talk. Wes, there's a lot of players that are really frustrating fantasy managers right now. And we'll start with one Josh Allen who couldn't even throw a touchdown pass against the New York Jets. Ooh, Bill's Mafia is going to be coming for me. But are we sure Josh Allen's good? Well, let's take a look at some of the numbers, all right? Yeah, he's the current QB4 right now in fantasy leagues, but he's only faced one top 10 defense thus far. And yes, his accuracy's taken a big jump from 2019 to 2020. It's the first four weeks where he was 11 for 16 on deep passes, but... In the last three games, he's only two for 10. So while you got all these stats, the biggest thing that gets me nervous and says Allen might be a trade candidate to sell high on, look at his strength of schedule for the playoff weeks. In weeks 14, 15, 16, he ends up playing Pittsburgh, Denver, and the Patriots. If you're going to make the playoffs and you got Allen as your QB, ask yourself whether or not you want to be going through that uh, lion's den of defenses. I would say now is the time to get rid of him while Allen's value is still high. If you can get a top six QB in return or package him in a two for two deal, now's the time to get off the Josh Allen train. The first player I want to talk about is someone like Allen has not been a fun experience for fantasy football managers is Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And look, the last two games, the reason why he's been struggling is because Rob Gronkowski's emergence. Gronk has five red zone targets over the last two games. Evans has none. That's a big drop off from the Mike Evans we saw earlier in the year, who was literally making his name off of scoring touchdowns. But at this point, I think it's too late to trade Mike Evans. I think the window to pull a trade or a trade Evans away is done. So if I'm a fantasy manager who has Mike Evans, I'm going to hold and hang on to him because I don't know if you're going to get enough value in return. I think people are going to start, you know, Worrying about Antonio Brown joining this Buccaneers wide receiver room moving forward. Chris Godwin has been a problem for Mike Evans' fantasy production when he's played. Evans has not posted good numbers when Godwin has been in the lineup. But Evans is one of those players that he's just too talented and too good to continue only receiving about two targets per game. That's what he's been getting over these last couple of games. And he is someone who, if you have him, just hang on because you're not going to get proper value for him on the trade market. Le'Veon Bell is a name a lot of managers out there are looking to get an understanding of his value now that he's on KC. Unfortunately, the game that we saw just last week in Denver, it didn't really tell us enough to give us a good snapshot. There's a lot of weird things in terms of weather. There's a lot of weird things in terms of game script. We had a special teams touchdown, we had a defensive touchdown early on. So it kind of really threw things into a jumble. So. It's good to kind of hear what Coach Reed had to say after the game. That gives us just a bit more context. Two main quotes. He said, number one, a couple of things he'll learn from the offense. And then number two, he said, I think the run game part was excellent. So what I take away from that, it feels like any passing down work for Bell is going to come maybe a week, two weeks later. But for the time being, they're going to leave him with a lot of the running, kind of the rushing opportunities. Um, 
But moving forward, it seems like they're confident with his ability to effectively get north-south in this offense. Looking at the snap shares, CEH had 27, Bell had 17, Washington had 10. I think moving forward, you're going to see it be more 65-35. Where the value ultimately is going to come for Bell is going to be at the goal line. CEH, he's had some trouble at the goal line this season. And I think Bell is the type of seasoned vet who could really be, um, give Casey a little bit more assurance at that role. Moving forward, how do you approach him when it comes to trade? I think you ultimately have to consider him as an RB3 the rest of the way. But if you want to frame him in a cell, tell the manager he's a top three insurance policy, kind of like Kareem Hunt. The last player I want to talk about is Ezekiel Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys. And he has not been playing well these last couple of games. He fumbled the ball twice two weeks ago. And last week, although he didn't fumble the football, it won't show up on the stat sheet. He had a sure catch. It was a little thrown behind him, but he bobbled it that led to an interception. So he's just not been a reliable player for the Dallas Cowboys or your fantasy football roster. And his floor is really the lowest it's ever been. And he's running behind a very bad offensive line in Dallas as well. They just have been really banged up this year. I know Zach Martin is probably going to return this week, but it's still not a great unit. Elliott just is not the same player that fantasy managers drafted. Teams are bringing pressure, especially last week you saw Washington. They've got a great front. They were rushing for a lot of the time at the Cowboys offensive line, and they were just getting enough pressure as it was with the four rushing up front. And Elliott just does not have room to run. They don't trust the quarterbacks in that offense to get it done. It's now Ben DiNucci, who's behind center for the Dallas Cowboys with Andy Dalton potentially missing week eight. So it's just not a great situation. If you could flip right now Ezekiel Elliott for a pair of RB2s, for example, if you could get a Miles Gaskin and Leonard Fournette, I would do that trade right now because I do not see how things get better for Ezekiel Elliott, whose schedule does not get any easier with the Eagles and Steelers on tap. DeZone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. Welcome back to the lineup on Yahoo Sports. We're now going to dig in to some running back insurance policies. Players who you want to pick up so in case your starter gets hurt, your lead running back gets hurt, you at least have a backup who's going to see most of the work moving forward. Wes, we're going to start off with a Tennessee Titans running back, Jeremy McNichols. He is the insurance policy for Derrick Henry. I was just going to say, there's a name you probably have never heard of with RB2 upside. Tennessee Titans now have McNichols as their RB2. If anything were to happen to Derrick Henry in this offense, this is the guy who ends up taking those shares. Henry leads the entire NFL right now with 146 carries. The next closest player is Todd Gurley, who's got 122. Darrington Evans came into the season as the RB2, but he's battled this hamstring injury that's been on and off all year, and it looks like it's now McNichols' role to take. On the year, he's averaging 5.2 yards per attempt. And let's not forget, 
This guy had a very good college career at Boise State where he put up 53 touchdowns from scrimmage in his last two seasons. If you have a bench spot where you can afford to have a high upside dart throw sitting around, this could be one of those home run plays that could bring you a championship in the playoff weeks. The player I'm going to go with is Benny Snell of the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you have James Conner, you better have Benny Snell on your bench because the thing is, Connor has a very well-documented injury history. We even saw it earlier this season in the first game of the year. When Connor went down, Snell took the role as the lead back in the Steelers offense, and he looked good. So with James Connor, you know the injury history is a problem. Benny Snell is a pretty accomplished runner at the college level. He had three straight 1,000 rushing yard seasons at the University of Kentucky. So this is someone that you can definitely add for free right now. He's not going to be a well-thought or well-sought-after player on the waiver wire. So go out and add Benny Snell now if you have James Conner just to feel a little bit safer about your team and one of your best running backs moving forward. Brian Hill is another name currently on the wire that you're likely not going to be fighting over come week eight's waiver. Todd Gurley's arthritic knee always keeps him as an injury candidate, somebody that we have to watch out for ultimately in fantasy. And the numbers this year, unfortunately, just don't support him having a good year. He's got 4.0 yards per attempt this season, a far cry from some of his best days on uh, Los Angeles Rams. He's got 33 red zone carries, though. That's second in the NFL. And that's really what's carrying his value so far this season. Hill, he's actually got way more upside as a pass down running back. He's caught 14 of his 15 targets so far this season. He only has three red zone carries. So if anything were to happen to Gurley, you got to imagine Hill's going to immediately uh, inherit those opportunities. And that'll shoot up his value just as that has for Gurley, even though he's not playing well. Hill moving forward. Only owned in 12% of leagues right now. He has mid-tier RB2 upside in the event that Gurley ends up missing some games. Lastly, I'm going to talk about Jordan Wilkins on the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor has been fine so far for fantasy managers. He hasn't given you those big, massive days yet, but the schedule gets easier down the stretch. But if something were to happen to Taylor, it's Jordan Wilkins and not Naheem Hines who would eventually assume the role as the more first and second down back type of player. Naheem Hines is a good passing down back, but he's not a player who's built to handle every down usage, where Jordan Wilkins is more of that prototype of player. So on an Indianapolis team that does run the ball the 12th most frequently in the NFL, I think it makes sense to try to target Wilkins if you have Jonathan Taylor, because you want to continue having that nice production at running back, especially behind an offensive line as good as the Indianapolis Colts. So Wilkins, another player who's not going to be a hot commodity on the waiver wire this week, is an easy ad for your bench that can make you feel safer about your starter. You're tuned in to the lineup on Yahoo Sports, and now we're going to dive into the waiver wire and tell you who you should be trying to target on the wire this week, starting off with a Seattle Seahawks running back. Carlos Hyde, who's owned and rostered in just 12% of Yahoo leagues, is very likely going to be the top name you're fighting for this week. Chris Carson, he went down on that Buda Baker interception play, and now Hyde took over for him in the second half of that game and ultimately has some good production. Travis Homer, who's also the third down back in that game, he also went down. So this team ends up being very thin. Hyde himself actually uh, dealt with some hamstring tightness. So as long as he does play, which Carroll says he's hopeful he will, 
in week eight, this is the person to take over in this Seattle offense that puts up the most points per game and scores the most touchdowns per game out of the entire NFL. Hyde uh, scored two TDs in this game seven, uh, week seven game. He put up 15 fantasy points. If Carson ultimately does miss even just one week, he's still good for a short-term ad, but Carson is week to week. So there could be potentially two to three weeks of short-term value here. Jamichael Hasty is another player at the running back position you should be trying to target in fantasy football. The 49ers are extremely thin at running back. Jamichael Hasty is really the last guy standing. They have Jeff Wilson, who's out with an injury, and Raheem Mostert is also out. So this leaves Hasty really to have the backfield to his himself and Jarek McKinnon. The issue is Tevin Coleman might be coming back this week, but his usage and how much they want to rely on him, we'll see how that is in his first week back. Because Hasty's looked good. Over the past couple of games, he's got 18 carries for 94 yards. And it's one of those things, the San Francisco backfield, where you can really plug in any player who's played running back at an advanced football level and have success in the Kyle Shanahan system. So Jamichael Hasty, even if it's only for one to two weeks, can help your fantasy team because the Niners are a run-first football squad. So Jermichael Hasty right up there with Carlos Hyde as two of the top running backs to add on the wire this week. The top waiver wire ads typically have a lot to do with point chasing. So sometimes there's some guys that are flying under the radar. Cole Beasley fits that bill here. He's rostered in just 41% of Yahoo leagues. PFF actually has him graded as Buffalo's number one receiver thus far this season. He's number 10 in the entire NFL. Add to that, John Brown, he tried to play in week six, got hurt, and week seven's absence for Brown ultimately suggests that this injury may be lingering a little bit longer than we expect. This is perfect for Beasley. He has not scored less than 7.8 fantasy points in a single game this season. The best part about him, he's Josh Allen's safety blanket. He has a super high floor in this offense. One of the, my favorite stats for Beasley so far, he leads the entire NFL in catch rate at 83% amongst players with 30 targets or more. And he has 10 red zone targets this season, which is third in the NFL. So you got to expect some TD regression is coming this his way. This player should be a high floor wide receiver three the rest of the way. If you can snag him off the wires, he should be good value all the way up to the playoff weeks. Last is a player who just squeaks under the 50% threshold. Wes and I have you know, sorted out for the show, and that's Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. There's news that Debo Samuel is going to miss the next couple of weeks, which means Ayuk is clearly the 49ers' number one wide receiver, and his first matchup as the clear-cut number one couldn't be any better against the Seattle Seahawks, who have allowed the most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. They're a matchup where if you got him, you start him. So with IU pretty much readily available in over half of Yahoo leagues, it's hard not to consider him as potentially the top target on the waiver wire, not just a wide receiver, but at any position. He looked good last week against the Patriots, securing six catches for 115 yards. I expect more of the same moving forward from IU. This is the lineup on Yahoo Sports. We're now going to get to some players that Wes and I are completely done with. We've seen enough. We're giving them the yank. That's it. No more. Wes, who's the first player you're going to talk about? Cam Newton is rostered in 85% of Yahoo leagues. And as the Patriots have looked atrocious, Cam Newton is a lot to blame. 
So far, PFF actually has him ranked as the 26th QB in terms of passer rating. And you would think rushing maybe is okay? No, they have him ranked as the 19th best QB in terms of running. Uh, the worst part is his ratios also just look terrible. He's only thrown two TDs so far this season, and he's thrown seven interceptions. That's the second worst ratio in the entire NFL, just behind Drew Locke. His receivers are also not helping him either. Edelman's had five drops already this season. Perry seems to not be able to figure out his route running, just can't get anything going. Both of them rank outside the top 50 in terms of PFF-rated wide receivers. What's the saving grace for Cam Newton? He has 8.2 design runs per game, which is the number one in the NFL. And the strength of schedule for the Pats is the second softest the rest of the way. So take it for what it is. But if you ask me, he's somebody I no longer value as a top 12 quarterback. If you're in a shallow league, you can very much drop him. If you're in a deeper league, feel free to try to ship him off now and get some value in return while you can. This next player, I'm officially offering my retraction of admittance of mistake on this player, and that was Ronald Jones. On last week's episode, I, I don't know what came over me, but I admitted that Leonard Fournette, who I was very high on in the offseason, was not a good pick, but I shouldn't have. The only reason why he hasn't performed is because he's been injured. And we saw it last week. Ronald Jones, in a great matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders, couldn't get the job done. 13 carries for 34 yards. You're lucky he fell into the end zone at the end of the game. Otherwise, he would have put up a big dud in your fantasy lineup. But it's clear, Leonard Fournette has and always will be the better running back. And we saw it last week against the Raiders. Fournette was the go-to option on passing down. So he's giving you that work. And that's something Ronald Jones won't be giving you moving forward. And Fournette is just one of these guys who's built to be an every-down back. And he looked leaps and bounds better than Ronald Jones. So if you can trade Ronald Jones for a guy like Miles Gaskin, I would do that trade right now because Leonard Fournette is back and he's here to stay. I'm sorry, Ronald Jones truthers. Leonard Fournette is here to stay. At the risk of triggering Stevie, my last drop candidate I got to recommend is a player that he's mentioned before, Michael Gallup, who's rostered in 77% of Yahoo leagues. Now, I will admit this. This has a lot less to do with Gallup himself. This is everything around him going on in Dallas right now. The O-line has had four out of the five original starters injured. We know Dak is out, but then Dalton also went out, and we're not sure whether or not he does come back next week after that uh, going through concussion protocol. But even if he does remain, I have no confidence that this line is going to be able to buy him enough time to get some of these deep shots that Gallup needs in order to have value in this offense. He is third on the depth chart in terms of targets for the season. His average depth of target is the deepest, meaning that he is getting those shots downfield, but there's just not going to be enough time for them to get good quality looks in this offense. I was already worried that this offense was trying to support three running, uh, wide receivers relevant to fantasy. Now with uh, Dalton at the helm, I'm not sure there's any opportunity for Gallup to be able to have week-in, week-out value. Moving forward, this to me is a sell-low situation as a kind of low-floor wide-out three. But once again, in shallow leagues, I got to say it's probably time to give Dal uh, Gallup the yank. That's going to conclude this week's episode of The Lineup on Yahoo Sports. But if you want to stay up to date to everything related to the show, subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Instagram at Yahoo Sports CA. For Wesley Chang, I'm Steven Sahoyas. Don't forget to set your lineup. 
for week eight of the National Football League season.